Welcome to the WorkSmart podcast channel. In this podcast, I discuss with Julie Pardy, WorkSmart's Director of Market Engagement and Regulation, the opinions, thoughts, and responses that over 200 risk and compliance professionals from regulated firms shared with us in our most recent webinar on the 2021 FCA Business Plan, Keeping Calm and Carrying On. Don't forget to request a copy of the audience poll question infographic that accompanies this podcast by emailing info at worksmart.co.uk. So let's get to it. One of the first questions that came in prior to the webinar was this. Many firms finalised their own plans for the year following publication of the FCA's own business plan. With the FCA plan being understandably light on detail and focusing on COVID-19 and effectively pushing out other priorities over a longer period, is it likely to be that firms will do similar, i.e. keep their early parts of their plans vague or defer them until things are better known to allow them to react to the current situation? Yeah, and I think this is a really great question um, to start us off with. And I think there's a number of things here. So let's take some examples. First of all, the regulator has said that they absolutely expect firms to focus on trying to get their BAU fully operational and as effective as it possibly can be under the current circumstances. So obviously expects that to be a priority. However, even though the SEA's business plan was short and there was nowhere near as much detail as there was previously, there's some topics in there that have been topics and concerns for them for a long time. So I don't think as a firm you could say, actually, I'm going to defer on that. And I'll give you the example of culture and governance and the effective implementation of SMCR and also operational resilience and looking at things like third party outsourcers. So that's been on their mind for quite a while. So I don't think firms should be stopping their plans on those. Some other things where they have pushed out and to give you an example, they have Obviously, we know and we talked about it, pushed out consultation papers that were current at the time that COVID-19 hit us and asked firms to have their feedback by October rather than the normal three month period. And with some of the policy statements that were due to be implemented, they pushed them into next year, specifically around pension advice. And so I think even if firms do defer, if they're on a extended deadline as a result of it, they need to be pretty sure that they're going to be able to hit the revised deadline and be up and running straight away. Because from a regulatory perspective, they're actually going to have given them an awful lot more time than they would normally have had to get ready and gear up for it. We're no doubt expecting the very popular FCA directory to be published. This has been delayed but shouldn't be out of sight or out of mind of regulated firms. Absolutely. And yes, it has been delayed, but that is really only the publication. So originally, the banks and the insurers had until the early part of March to submit all the data for their directory persons. As COVID-19 was happening, they were given a slight extension. They were allowed to submit that data up until the end of March. The regulator was due to publish at the end of March and has just said that they're going to publish at some point in quarter two. But what they haven't said at the moment is that the solo regulated firms have got any different date. So their date is the 9th of December 2020. It will be interesting to see though, I have heard through the grapevine that some of the trade bodies are polling their members as to whether to ask the regulator to push back the start of the directory into 2021. But as far as I'm aware at the moment, there's no confirmation that that's the case. 
do you expect the FCA to change their monitoring supervision inspections? And I suppose it's linked into another question. Do you expect the FCA to relax some of the rules around call recording where working from home is necessary? Let me take those in two parts then. So are the FCA likely to change the way that they supervise? Well, effectively, they are on a transition anyway. And if working from home or teleworking does become normal, then potentially yes. And I would expect the regulator has said that it's trying to be more dynamic. It's trying to make faster decisions. It's trying to use the gathering of data more effectively. So I would suspect that if we tend to be more working at home and remote from the centre of our firms, that the regulator is probably going to focus in more on data in order to allow it to more effectively see where risks are arising in the market. So, so yes, and actually, would, would they move to video conferencing for supervision inspections and interviewing senior managers? Well, why not? We've all proved that technology works. So, yes, I suspect with that one. With regards to the other one, though, this is quite an interesting one. I personally, and you know, I can't confirm either way. I've heard nothing on the grapevine about this, but I would be very surprised if the regulator relaxed call recordings. And the reason I would is absolutely there for a reason. It's there for consumer protection and for the protection of the firm, actually. And part of a firm's you know, operational resilience is, can that continue to occur if you're getting people to work in a different manner? So personal view is, I don't think they'll relax on that. However, what they have said, if we go back to SMCR, they've said that obviously senior managers are expected to take reasonable steps and reasonable steps in order to continue to operate as effectively as possible. So if there is a firm where a senior manager has had to make a decision around something like that not happening, then I would suspect that the regulator would be very interested to know why. But other than that, I I couldn't comment further, really. And another question came in, do you have any concerns that too much emphasis is being put on firms to provide adequate information for retail investors? and not enough responsibility for investors seeking suitable advice. Yeah, this is a really tricky one. I think with the advent of the pension freedoms, with the advent of the retail distribution review before that, I think the advice market has somewhat changed in the UK and consumers are in this position where there's much more complex areas to consider And it's easy for us as a a general public to say, well, we're not the experts. You know, we had to go to somebody and they told us to do this. So we did and it went wrong. I do think investors need to take responsibility. However, the regulated firms need to understand that for, you know, 99% of the population, it really isn't their area of expertise. They absolutely rely on the firm to provide them with clear, fair information that is not misleading in any way or or form so that they can make an appropriate decision. It was interesting that it's the consumer investment decisions that came ahead of ensuring the consumer credit market is working well. And it may well have been that with the numbers that we had, because we did have large numbers, that maybe we had a bit more of a balance of investment firms. But I think 
actually that that goes to the importance of firms that are giving investment advice in their advice processes, in their fact finding, in the competence of their staff, and very specifically the oversight of their competence and capability and the advice that they provide. And it's obvious that it's forefront of, of those firms' minds in focusing on what they need to do to make that happen, which I think actually is a really positive thing. So we also asked the audience, which regulatory requirement is you and your firm's main priority? And if we set aside all of the above at 42% and adherence to the expectations of SMCR came in at 26%, achieving operational resilience at 22% and achieving compliance with AML CFT regulations at 9%. Thoughts on that? I actually thought that was really... A little bit surprising because I would have thought in the here and now the operational resilience would have been the key, but actually really encouraging from a regulatory point of view that they, as a conduct regulator, the SCA is saying, look, if you get SMCR right and you get the governance right and you get the right competent people in the right roles, then your business will run more effectively. And that says to me that firms are obviously working with the senior manager implementation that they did towards the end of last year if they're a solo regulated firm and they're working to make that work for their business whilst at the same time solo regulated firms and dual regulated firms are thinking about their certification regimes and their certification rounds which potentially are going to be challenging this year if you don't have your certified people in their normal roles, in their normal locations with face-to-face manager oversight. So I actually took that as a real positive thing that firms are doing exactly what the regulators asked and focusing on that structure to ensure their businesses are well managed. Yes, and we saw in previous webinars as well as this that there is a real challenge, isn't there, with making sure that staff are are competent and evidence in that competency, that senior managers have taken reasonable steps especially in light of so many workers working remotely. Yeah, and I think we talked about it on the um, webinar that typically firms will spend an awful lot of money on infrastructure and solutions and software around things like anti-money laundering, bribery and corruption. But quite often they run with really, really old-fashioned or paper-based processes for training, learning input, and not that many firms actually invest that money in that holistic solution that will allow you to manage all elements of competence because as we talked about on you know on many of the previous communications that we've done is you know from a regulatory perspective it's not just can Julie does she know the details of that e-learning or has she attended that training course it's a huge range of indicators from a variety of things that I might do on a day-to-day basis in my role that make up the picture of my overall competence and training and competence might be a small part of that and the all the elements of fitness and propriety so any firm that runs those processes manually I'd be very surprised if they're going to be able to cope well under the current crisis. Especially when the regulator pointed out in the business plan only a couple of weeks ago that their focus will be on smaller firms who probably think that they can operate office spreadsheets. I think there's a real danger that there may be not the oversight or the governance processes in place 
and before this crisis, let alone during this crisis. What are your thoughts on that? You're absolutely right. I was looking at the SCA have just published their quarter three and quarter four data for section 166 skilled persons reports. From memory, there were 24 section 166s handed out in the last six months and 18 of those that's 75% went to firms that weren't the fixed portfolio firms. So the firms that didn't have a named supervisor, therefore were much smaller, wouldn't have been dual regulated, would more have been solo regulated more likely, and a much smaller firm. So I think that's quite telling that that and what they said in the business plan about, you know, smaller firms, you have to be just as focused on this stuff as the larger ones, I think is um, their messages are tying together. It's consistent. Final question. We asked the audience, what future regulatory requirements are they or their firms prioritising now? And out and out in France with 62% was a focus on governance, especially decision-making, delegation and evidencing. Yeah, absolutely. As you would expect. So we know from some of the concessions that the the regulators already stated that, you know, they do expect some of the senior managers not to be operational at the moment. And therefore, there's some concessions, certainly for solo regulated firms around non-senior managers undertaking senior manager type activities. But again, it's interesting because our firms are telling us that the pace of decision making is really escalating under the crisis, as you'd expect it to. And delegations are being stretched further down the line where there's less staff available. So the more that happens, I would suggest that the greater the evidence needs to be if firms are operating at speed with less experienced staff making the decisions and potentially delegating to others if they don't have their evidence process right then actually when this dies down and we get a bit more back to normal it's going to be a real job for firms to go back and make their records um, bring their records up to date so that they could be viewed by a regulator. 16% of of our audience did say that certifying staff and submitting directory information was critical to them and they they were prioritising that. And also 13% of planning and designing CoCon training programmes were important to them. I think that that deadline of certifying staff has to be in the front and the back and the middle of people's minds. Yeah, I I really can't see the regulator pushing that back. They were asked questions for dual regulated firms that already have certification processes running and they were asked whether there was going to be any, any delay and the answer was absolutely not. We expect you to continue. You might have to make some concessions for operational reasons, but you need to record those and be able to explain why you've done it. And I think the communication finished with something like, if your people aren't competent, don't certify them. So the regulator's definitely looking for it to be done. If we look at when they traffic lighted, I think it was Peter Ewing from the FCA did a speech and they traffic lighted how SMCR have been implemented in banks uh, predominantly and COCON training for the conduct rules was traffic lighted as red and the major reason it was traffic lighted as red was because the regulator had asked for the training to be role relevant and in the majority of cases it wasn't and certification was traffic lighted as amber 
and that was around things like consistency of approach around the range of evidence used, the decisions for confirming certification and maybe the decisions for choosing not to. I think it's very difficult if a firm says, I can't do my co-con training because of COVID-19. If I was a regulator, I'd be pretty disappointed about that because with the technology that we've got, with the virtual classrooms you can have, you know, you can use Zoom to have one big classroom and then breakout classrooms. There's no reason why a firm can't train people in role-relevant co-con training. And I don't mean just an e-learning sheet dip. I mean a proper training by role type. And I should suspect the regulator will absolutely expect that to happen. But the one thing that I did find surprising on those figures was how low the figure was for trialling the certification regime. And it was only 6%. And one of the things absolutely consistently all of our banking clients, and bearing in mind we've got lots of them, that's the that's the big piece of feedback they always give us, and we always pass that on to others, is that if they were to do anything again with regards to SMCR, it would be trial the certification process. And there's still time, because firms can trial this quarter, potentially. And to trial under conflict is even better, I think, because if you can take five or 10 people that are in the certification regime and gather together their records and see whether you could actually certify them if you're at the deadline now and what falls over um, and what you can't do, then that gives you a great insight into the things that you need to be doing for the next quarter so that when you go for it for your whole regime, then it'll be easier for you. Yes, and that's, that goes back to the point whether firms are in management mode, aren't they? And head down approach or eyes up. I think it's, you know, those, that final poll where we've got 62% of individuals, bearing in mind we had, however many we had, 300 odd people as quite a high number with a firm specifically focusing on decision making, delegation, and evidencing. But that's exactly what the regulator wants isn't it that they want everybody focused on having the right people in the right place actually making the decisions and where those people aren't available actually that there is sufficient succession planning within an organization that people can step up and that you can do it in a manner that is not detrimental to the ongoing running of the business and you're not putting yourself in a position where things are not being done that need to be done in order to make sure these customers are, are well dealt with And I think at the moment, the amount of guidance the regulator has given firms, especially in consumer credit, around lending, around car finance, around insurance and so on, that actually having a very robust governance structure already in place before this would just stand firms in really good stead to weather the storm more effectively than others that haven't. Thanks for listening to this podcast. To receive a recording of the webinar on the FCA's Business Plan 2021, Keeping Calm and Carrying On, alongside a copy of the infographic summarising the results of the poll questions, please email info at worksmart.co.uk. To learn how Worksmart's SMCR software, Accord, can provide your firm with clear central record keeping, strong corporate governance, clear accountability and evidence of employee fitness and proprietary, please visit worksmart.co.uk. Okay.